Hello and welcome to the Let's Talk Is Your podcast with your hosts Sam Foote and Alan Armstrong. If you're new here, we're a pair of Azure and Microsoft 365 focused IT security professionals. It's episode 18 of season four. Sam and I had a recent discussion around external identities and how Microsoft Entra can assist. Microsoft Entra External ID brings the B2B and B2C capability under one umbrella. Here are a few things we covered. What are B2B and B2C identities? How are these identities used? What is Microsoft Entra multi-tenant organization? And how are these identities licensed? We have noticed a large number of you aren't subscribed. If you do enjoy our podcast, please do consider subscribing. It would mean a lot to us for you to show your support to the show. It's a really great episode, so let's dive in. Hey Alan, how are you doing this week? Hey Sam, not doing too bad. It's been a, a busy week, as always. Yeah, exactly. And um, lots of um, security co-pilot um, news starting to drop now. Uh, it feels like in the, the build-up to Ignite, uh, we're seeing more and more um, sort of being drip fed to us yeah this week yeah this week we had some of the official sort of documentation on microsoft learn now it's not you know, you know microsoft docs uh, it's that changed quite some time ago but um yeah we're starting to see some of the uh documentation now coming out to sort of explain what it is and some of the scenarios so yeah it's starting to um be more visible yeah yeah no it's it's really good to start to see uh, more information about it um it's, it's, it's interesting, uh, Microsoft's, um, you know, LLM, um, AI being layered over the top of, you know, um, security operations. So, yeah, it's really interesting to see that technology. And I, I sort of can't wait to get my hands on it and um, have a play around with it. Um, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how effective it is and, and what benefits and, you know, ROI you really get out of it. Yeah, and we're now starting to understand exactly what products um, it will start to sort of sit on top of, like Microsoft Intune, Sentinel, and um, Defender for Endpoint. So as sort of the initial start to it all. So yeah, definitely we can start seeing where we need to focus on making sure we've got that data for it to consume and you know help SecOps where it can. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So this week, Alan... Um... External identities. Yeah, this was a um, okay. This this was a um, request um, that one of our listeners sort of brought in. So um, I thought we we you know, cover it because it's something that we haven't done yet as well. So yeah. Okay, cool. Well, let's let's get started. Um, so, Alan, can you give us a um, sort of a bird's eye view, high level overview of what uh, Microsoft Enter External ID is? Yeah, so Microsoft Entra External IDs um, is really the sort of umbrella name for a couple of sort of technologies that are, have been in play in the sort of Azure AD or Microsoft Entra ID or Microsoft Entra space um, for some time now. But um, yeah, so it's kind of, um, as it kind of sounds, it's, you know, it's your external identities um, that you can use either within your your Microsoft 365 tenant or your, your Microsoft Enter ID tenant, or it could be your, um, in effect, your consumer um, identities for your application. So 
um, when we talk, like when I say sort of B2B, I'm talking to business to business, so tenant to, to tenant. Um, and then you've got B2C, which is business to customer, business to consumer um, around it. So that's the kind of like high high level sort of areas. But there's also this um, this new area um, that's in preview around uh, Microsoft Venture and multi-tenant organizations. Um, and we, we'll talk about that sort of later. So, um, so yeah, there are a couple of things around B2B. Um, like I said, they've, it's been there for some time. Um, but yeah, we can dive into that in a bit. So, so really it's a sort of set of, um, technologies and controls for how, you know, you as an organization would interact with, you know, other, um, external, well, literally external identities, right? Be that B2B, B2C. Um, it's really that collaborative, um, technology that, that, you know, it's not just, enter id being your internal identities but it's also bringing in um, other externals um, into sort of your environment yeah being able to collaborate with other organizations or you know that they might be sister companies and be part of your like global organization um, or might just be partners um, or just yeah maybe yeah customers that are still um, you know organizations and then you've got consumers as I said, bringing consumers into your, not to say into your environment directly, but in maybe into your applications that you're hosting and things like that. So, so yeah, external entities, external parties being able to, to authenticate against your identity and you provide the access kind of thing. And I suppose a question that I've got is that, is this all new technologies and new concepts or, you know, was there ways to previously have this type of collaboration, you know, pre, um, enter ID as your AD? Um, how would you have done it uh, traditionally? Uh, so before, well, so, um, B2B, B2C has been around for some time now with, with, you know, the branding of Azure AD. Um, so that's been around for some time. There is some advances in those technologies since, um, and we'll go through those sort of later. But um, before you had, I guess before you had um, Office 365, and if we're going that, that far back now, um, being able to, to collaborate with an external party, you'd have to allow them access to a web service or something on-premise or in you know in Azure, but you have to directly connect to the IaaS or PaaS service, and either that would be local identities to that application, or it would be secret you know um, authentication against your Active Directory, so on-premise sort of authentication. So it probably was quite difficult to difficult, difficult and complex to try and you know set that up without it with and also being secure. Because um, in effect, you'll get you're opening a portal up for, you know, in the past, you know, brute force attacks against your application, against your identities. And would you know, it, sort of, uh, traditional IT would that just would that type of collaboration just not happened? You know, like, you know, have, have things like Teams and uh, OneDrive, etc., uh, driven the need for 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 this type of collaboration you know it, 
is it just new technology that's driven it or is you know would you have done that previously or would you have shared data in a different way i think you have shared data in a different way because there's always been a need to collaborate you know with information you know you send an email with all of your attachments your word documents now in today's world you would share that potentially share that via sharepoint or onedrive so you don't have to share a copy of it so it's not like two or three copies of the same data kind of thing um and once it's you know once it's sent in an email then you can't uh, without using other technology like uh, purview information protection um you can't control you know who has access to that data once it leaves in that email so leaving it you know on your data at rest on your tenant and other users consuming it you know is is potentially um you know more secure or or at least there's more controls at least about what they can do with it Okay, so yeah, let's go through some of the the use cases then. Um, so, in what scenarios is um, B two B used? Yeah, so we kind of talked about this a little bit. So, there's two there's two types now for B two B collaboration. Um, one of them being B two B collaboration, um, but one of them being the new one being B two B direct connect. And B two B collaboration is where we invite a user into your Microsoft Enter ID tenant as a guest. So they have a placeholder, a guest account in your tenant, which is tied to their identity on, on their like home, you know, home tenant, um, which then you can then give access to applications, resources, SharePoint sites, teams, uh, and things like that. Um, and a lot of people have used this potentially. Um, so if you wanted to talk to somebody, if you were a guest user and you're using Microsoft Teams, um, you have to, in effect, do a switch tenant. So you switch over to the external tenant as the user that has been invited. Um, and then you can then see what uh, the Microsoft Teams in that remote tenant and what, and then collaborate within the teams you're allowed access to. It might be that you've been B2B'd into um, access an applicas an application they have that they single sign on into. You know, it might be access to their Azure, uh, AWS environment or their Azure environment. Yeah, you know, maybe you're an MSP looking after a customer's um, Azure and infrastructure. Um, so that's one of the scenarios. the The B two B direct is new, and this is in effect creating creating a trust between the two tenants. So this is um, saying what a user is allowed to do between those tents. Um, and that could then bring into um, the new, uh, it's not necessarily new now, but it is still, you know, I think it's the last six months, 12 months that it's been out, but the, the Microsoft Teams shared channels where you, uh, uh, a hosting tenant um, creates a shared channel and then they share it with the, the external uh, tenant. And in effect, uh, within Microsoft Teams, um, that user can either add it to a, another team their side, and in effect, it it, it mirrors that channel uh, into their tenant, so they don't have to do that switch tenant, which is very is quite powerful, really, because it's, it's, it feels from the user perspective very seamless with that, um, even though the data is stored um, on the hosting tenant there. 
Um, so, so that's kind of the two ways of, of using that. Um, like I said, it's mainly around, you know, tenant to tenant interactions and accessing, you know, SAS applications, uh, that are in the, the ho in one of the tenants and things like that. Nice. That's great. I'm, I'm guessing that, you know, just really does enable effective and secure collaboration between organizations, right? You know, it, it's it's that, you know, fine-grained relationships that can be defined and, I suppose, monitored. Yeah, and, and in effect, those users coming in, you can then, using conditional access, um, control what they do to have access. So it could be, you know, they have to um, do multi-factor authentication. They have to come from a certain IP address, that kind of thing. So you can like, then lock down that access to your SharePoint OneDrive environments all those SaaS, you know there's other SaaS applications that you're allowing them into nice so on the b2c side um can you give us some scenarios um where that's used yes so just for clarity i've not really used this in anger um i've more been in the b2b space so don't shoot me if i get anything wrong um yes yeah, so b2b b sorry b2c is more around um, providing identities for your application or website uh, for your consumers or your customers to to use. So this is a, a external identity provider that you can use then to with any um, application you create or any website you create um, to provide an identity so you can give permissions to certain areas. So this could be your shopping website. This could be your your data repository um, and you need to provide access to it and really that's that's the sort of the main goal with it but also you know there's custom development apps you can if you've got single sign into other SaaS application that are out there you can use it for that um, but one of the main things is is that the the users can bring their own identities so this could be a local identity that is in the the b2c tenant so when you do this, when you set up um, Microsoft Entra um, B2C, um, in effect, you can you, you you spin up a new like Azure Azure AD. I'm getting them all mixed up now because it's still still in my mind about Azure AD, but Microsoft Entra ID sort of tenant, and then the users go in there, but then you can use external identities um, like Facebook, uh, Gmail, and some other ones out there, as well as potentially government IDs. Um, to do that signing for you so you know you have other identity providers um, that a user can use because you know a lot of um, consumers will have a gmail a facebook a instagram a, an apple id kind of thing um, and they can just reuse that to, to in effect um, have an identity within your application and B2C in effect, you know, collect some identifiers for your app, for your, you know, your app, your identity in those external ones. So it can, you know, cross-reference you. Um, but in effect, um, that then allows, you know, those users to have access to your application or to your SaaS applications that are sat in the background. And in effect, this is sort of classed as a customer identity access management system, a CIAM, CIAM. Um, and like I said, it can use SSO, SAML, OpenID, Connect, OAuth, 
Um, it can also be B2B users. So you can use an, uh, an Azure AD or a Microsoft Venture ID identity to also go into that B2C environment. Um, and sort of some of the great things around this is that previously, um, it, it not that it, it was just that, but it was just that sort of data store. Um, but in the last year, 18 months, um, Microsoft allowed you to use, um, change the sort of pricing sort of around it and in effect allowed you to have conditional access and any P1, P2 capability within that tenant. So now they've added that enhanced security to it, um, which is, which is great. Um, so, you know, you can do MFA, um, potentially some access reviews and some, you know, risky user kind of, kind of things. Um, one great thing as well is that the sign-in interface, um, you can f in effect f pretty much customize to what you need to, to meet your apps um, or your Apple website sort of um, themes and your, um, I can't think of the word of it now, but um, in effect you have like full control of the HTML and the CC, you know, CC, uh, the, the CS, CSS um, for it. Yeah, I've used um, uh, B2C previously to, instead of roll our own identity service effectively, um, you, you utilize it because, you know, a lot of development teams, I'll say back in the day, back in my day, um, <laughs> you know, used to roll their own um, identity providers. And there are frameworks out there that you can effectively roll, you know, local identity providers. Um, but, you know, those identities are so risky, right? Especially in breach scenarios, you know, around password reuse and, you know, the, the security of those 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 credentials, right? And any um, private PII information, et cetera, right? Um, so, you know, there has been a a general trend in, sort of outsourcing and offloading that that identity provider to a to a third party now you know there's there's lots of various different systems that you can and even actual companies that, that do it um but i think what's what's great about b2c is that you're effectively reusing and i don't know how it works under the hood obviously but you're reusing a lot of that technology that's there you know on the enter id I'll call it like normal mode, if if that makes sense, right? Um, and to to also be able to do things like MFA and conditional access um, with it as well, um, you're starting to add a layer of protection that is is you know from from my experience um, not there when you know devising your own solution, right? So the, the fact that you can get full control of that, you can integrate with other identity providers as well. You know, so people can reuse their identities as well. Um, is 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 a big um, bonus there. Yeah, and you're right. You know, if you built, in effect, if you built your own, um, one you've got to manage it, one you've got to update it to keep it secure. If you want MFA, then yes, you've got to build that capability and all. You know, jump out to a third party solution to bring that MFA in. Um, yeah, you've then got to build potentially got to build your interfaces to manage those identities, you know, from a, from a manage, you know, from a, a, um, 
from an application management perspective, not necessarily from a user side. Um, you know, user might want to update all of their like information, so you've got to provide that sort of view of it, plus all your your sign up pages, things like that. You know, this is and yeah, building all those those security controls that conditional access can do. You know, checking what IP they're coming from. You know, any risky sign ins things like that. You you know, without not saying anyone couldn't build it, but you're adding a lot of time into your build, and this is almost. I need this. I'm going to spin up a tenant. I put my you know, my requirements into you know what identities are allowed to sign in, things like that, all my conditional access, and now I just need to hook up my application. And I'm, I mean, I've never done this, so I don't think I don't know if it is that simple. But in effect, you know, you've you've got your identity store there, ready to be you know integrated within your application. Um, and Microsoft do provide you know you with sample codes for your .NETs and, and things like that to be able to integrate with it. So it is all sort of just feel like it's there on a plate to basically just like consume and let Microsoft do all the hard work for you. Yeah, you've obviously got to have a level of, you know, development knowledge, right? And it to yeah. be able to integrate it. But I think, you know, if you take the simplicity of it versus rolling your own, you know, and what these developers are having to do before this, right? This is like like you say, click click done SDK integrate go, right? Um, I, I can imagine that some some people may be cautious of outsourcing something quite so vital. You know, it's 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 quite natural for us because we're in like sort of Microsoft's ecosystem yeah. a lot, right? So it it just it's kind of a no brainer really. Um, but I can imagine um, some people that want to be able to not be vendor locked you know and, and things like that there could be concerns around that and if you if you don't trust cloud providers with your identities there, there could be that but then you wouldn't really be looking at a hosted and managed solution anyway you know um but i think if you are an organization that is currently using enter id adopting enter id b2c is like a logical next step right it's 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 aligned into the ecosystem it's also using you know from a secops perspective it's utilizing a lot of the same tooling and the same terminology and understanding um so it, it feels quite natural um to, to start using that type of that type of system yeah and probably a lot of organizations or users are probably you know, potentially where they work now as well, they're probably used to sort of the the Microsoft Enter ID authentication window and things like that. Whilst you can customize it, you know, they are very, um, you know, used to it. And, you know, I've seen some of the, um, one of the water providers in the UK, um, you know, utilities um, using B2C. I've just seen it because of the URL it goes to. I've been like, oh, there's B2C here, but didn't notice it from the, you know, from the start kind of thing. So it is kind of hidden that it is that technology. But again, you know, from a, from a security perspective, you can see that, you know, the the Microsoft Enter, you know, environment is so large now with you know, multiple organizations just using it for their, you know, bit, you know, internal identities now. You know, such a big ecosystem there that Microsoft are looking after. You know, there's so much, so many protections there. Um, and you're just sort of just jumping on that for your consumers. Yeah, definitely. So 
yeah, can can we talk about sort of um licensing and costs? You know, um is is it is it enterprise ready but also enterprise cost? So they used to be um so let's probably talk about back in back in the day, uh back in the <laughs> past. Um we've used that twice now. Um that in effect for B2B, um so B2B and B2C kind of used to be sort of separate tooling. Um, if, and then it sort of came into sort of one sort of uh, scenario kind of thing and, and then you know, put under the, the external ID sort of umbrella. But originally, um, B2B used to be that guests could be invited um, and if you wanted to use any security products, in effect, you had a one, for every one license you were, um, you had for your internal users, you could use five for, for guest users. So if you had a hundred, it means you'd have five hundred for guests. In effect, they were you know you never seen those um, licenses. It was more of a that's you know that's kind of like what you get with it. And that was great because um, you know some organisations have little guests because most of them are internal, but it meant that you could apply MFA, use conditional access on them, and you know if you were P two as well, it means you could use identity protection as well to check you know, make sure they were not you know risky when they're coming in and then quite some time ago maybe 18 months two years ago i think it was um they then brought in this new sort of model in effect you change over to it if you already had a tenant and basically you sign up a um, azure subscription to your microsoft enter id tenant um, and then you get um then it's based on monthly active usage. So it's like a consumption at that point. Now it seemed um, when we initially heard about that being sort of quite bad because at the moment, you know, in effect you got them free. But when you, you dive into it, um, the first 50,000 external identities, so B2B users or your B2C users are free. So from a, from a, you know, an organization, you know, using B2B with their external parties, um, quite a lot of, you know, organizations probably are not going to hit that 50,000 MAU. Um, there will be organizations that will, don't get me wrong. Um, but generally, you know, I don't think many will hit that monthly active usage for their internal users. Um, so I think that's great. And even for your B2C, you know, if you've got 50,000 consumers you know, talking to your application, which is probably likely, you know, if you've got a an application that is, you know, heavily used, then your first 50,000 are free. And that includes your, P, your P1 and your P2, as far as I'm aware, um, you know, capability from an enter ID perspective. So that gives you conditional access, multi-factor, and your, you know, identity protection, your risky users. So I think that's pretty crazy i think it's pretty good um, yeah because I, I i wonder if you blocked if you uh, plotted all of the web applications in the world and you know and did a histogram of you know how many monthly active users they had i bet the vast majority would be under that fifty thousand, right of all the web apps um that are out there like if you had a b2b SaaS business you know you could have a very sizable business with 50,000 and it's monthly active users as well. So it's, yeah. it's not, it's also who logs in, you know, if you've got 
um, sort of stale accounts, people not logging in, they're not counted every month unless they actually log in, right? I assume it's yep. it's consumption build at that point, right? At the end of every month. So, yeah, really good. Yeah, so so now the, the price for over 50,000. And so there's two prices. There's one for you know P1 capability and, and one for P2 capability. Um, so in in dollars uh, per user per monthly active user, this is not point not not well, so it's probably not point three two five cent cents um, for a P one license. Yeah, I worked it out to three dollars twenty five per thousand users per month. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so do you have to take at least a P one? Yeah, that's the minimum one. So you, you by default get conditional access and MFA and you know password reset things like that. Right. Okay. So, so you get your first fifty thousand free, and then if you want everybody else, what well, have everybody on P one, you'll then pay three dollars twenty five per thousand monthly active users per month after that. Yeah. And then the P2 price is uh 1.625 cent cents which I guess is $16.25. Yeah, $16.25 per thousand. And what do you get for P2? For your extra... So that will then include the identity protection side of things, so risky users, where they're coming from, that sort of stuff, so to see if they've been compromised, that kind of thing. So, you know, if they're coming from a a known bad IP address or, you know, Tor browser, etc., they can be classed as risky and not come in, or maybe you enhance the MFA um, kind of thing. Okay, so P1, you sort of get your static rules, if that makes sense, your conditional access, your MFA and that settings. And then P2 is really starting to get adaptive access at that point, right? You know, and actually, yeah, feeding in other intelligence signals into those logins. Yeah. And so that's that's kind of that's kind of it around the licensing cost. So, you know, it's it's a great um, there's no really barrier to entry to start because, you know, if you're developing, you know, you're not going to use you're going to use your test accounts, aren't you? At that point, you're going to have like five or ten and they're going to be in the free tip. So you can have it all there. You can start building all of your conditional access, testing it all and, you know, in and your app integrations. And then when you're ready to, to launch, it's there and you don't. And I guess that's another great thing about it is you don't have to scale it. It's just no. yeah. it's just there and it can consume what you what you need. Exactly, yeah. And I think that for me, the front door element of it is really powerful. You know, um, if you're the si- if you're the size of organization that's got fifty thousand monthly active users, there is a potential there for you to be, well, anybody, but to be more vulnerable to like a denial of service attack, etc. Right. And there's there, you know, every endpoint, every process that you, you have to cover with that is extra cost, right? And Microsoft are effectively saying, hey, use our hosted service. Um, we'll give you fifth the first fifty thousand monthly active users for free. Uh, I suppose it could really add up then. I suppose P two could add up, right? Because if you're a hundred thousand monthly active users let me just do that in those numbers. 
that's sixteen hundred dollars a month for another um for another hundred so you'd have a hundred and fifty thousand monthly active users for sixteen hundred dollars a month. I suppose in my mind, I've got to think about for sixteen hundred dollars a month, could I pay somebody to maintain it? The answer is probably no. You know, like and host the thing. Yeah. You know, there's there's many different um things to think about there. Plus multi-factor authentication right because if i'm rolling my own i have to to get feature parity i have to also support all of these different things like conditional access identity what? protection etc right yeah that or you've got to go out to a third party that can provide that for you and pay per user for that to be able to do you know send out a text message or you know have a one-time password etc yeah um, definitely yeah okay so yeah no, that sounds really. I obviously don't know how that scales, right? Because I've never used that at that <laughs> level, right? So it would be interesting to hear from somebody that has B to C at over fifty thousand, you know, monthly active users, right? To see if it's actually economically viable at that scale. But to me, <laughs> um, I feel like you would have a very big business if you had fifty thousand monthly active users, right? And you could probably support. You know, because it it might be that you've got a true B to C. You know, maybe you're running like a social network as an example, right? Um, you might not need P two. You might not really. You might not go to that level. You know, because what's the risk there? You know, right? You might have you might have like sort of um, pseudo public information. You know, um, people's pictures of their dinners at restaurants and whatnot on instagram <laughs> you know like the, the the content that you're protecting there might not actually be that va as valuable right you know because there's different sort of classification levels there so it might be that p1 for certain certain amount of your users is absolutely fine or maybe even all of them and at that point it's kind of a a no-brainer isn't it yeah yeah definitely uh, even just having the p1 is is so powerful it's the same thing with you know, Microsoft Venture ID. Yeah. Having that P1 is is essential, really, or it, the equivalent of, depending on how you you get that capability. You know, whether it's business premium things like that. But um, yeah, and it'll just it'll just be the sensitivity of that data and a balance of risk, right, versus ROI. But but I suppose as well, and correct me if I'm wrong, with identity protection, that's just like a turn on sort of deal, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much, it's and, not and that obviously onerous, setting up some, yeah, setting up some conditional access for it, to say you're using those signals to do something, you know, be adaptive with your access. But identity protection gives you those signals with very minimal configuration, doesn't it? It's Correct. like yeah. black box, right? So, so what you can do is you can you can consume that P two license with very little SME knowledge, right? Because yeah, you've got to you've got to modify your conditional access policies that you created in your P1, right? But layering on P2, to me, just seems like it's a commercial and a risk decision um, more than it is anything else, right? So that that is also quite powerful that you can just like set and forget, right? Like the biggest decision is, is who's going to pay for it? And that's the CFO's problem, right? You know, at that point, right? Um, yeah. So, you know, that's that seems pretty powerful to me, 
that that user experience of moving between those levels or developer experience of moving between those levels is almost frictionless except for commercials yeah definitely and you can um as well not to say around the, the the pricing side of things you can also do some verification of of someone's identity as well and you know, in effect the workflow of someone signing up could go to a third party um proofing you know capability maybe they've put some details about where they're you know where they live things like that and then you need to validate it to prove their identity kind of thing um so i think you can hook it up to some some things like that as well so you can have the extra checks when you the people sign up okay yeah that sounds that sounds great um a, a sort of scenario that I've I've sort of been thinking about as you've been talking is um, mergers and acquisitions, larger multinational organisations. So um, some organisations um, I work with have multiple tenants. Um, and how does this sort of, you know, fit that? Because um, organisations that have multiple tenants are kind of like B2B tenants, really, and they can actually be isolated you know from a corporate structure perspective so does any of this technology help there yeah so you're right they you know in effect they are b2b sort of scenarios not not the b2c side of things but um with the new sort of b2b direct and things like that um that helps with the because really you know they can collaborate but it's not maybe the greatest experience because they have to switch tenants to find out who they are you know when they're sending an email they don't necessarily see everyone in you know from the other organizations without someone creating contacts and trying to keep that up to date etc um so there's a couple of things so uh microsoft brought in this um cross-tent synchronization um and in effect you can um synchronize users between uh in effect automatically b2b collaborate invite them into the other tenant and then when they leave it that they then get removed so it's kind of you know if if an, you know if like you said if you've got a merge a merger acquisition you know they can automatically you know you can almost like set up automatic b2b into that tenant that that um, remote tenant and vice versa can be two-way sync so that then allows you know that automatic as i keep saying you know on you know inviting of that user to that tenant and offboarding as well based on you know the source tenant um managing that um so that's that's really good that stops having to you know request to be invited and and that kind of thing um but there's something in preview at the moment called multi-tenant organizations organization and in effect you um f from my understanding of it um, in effect, you create this like sort of umbrella or this like entity that says, you know, we're a multi-tenant organization. And then you, in effect, attach the tenants to that, um, you know, that multi-tenant organization. Um, and then you can do things like the synchronization um, with the other tenants as well, or sort, sort of semi-automatically in effect. Um, but the users, from what I understand, are sort of classified as as um guest no external members rather than guest members so they kind of are identified as in like an internal user but their their, their identity is external kind of thing and you can still have your standard b2b guest you know non out of that 
multi-tenant organization sort of coming in as well. But the kind of benefit to this is it's using, you know, the collaboration, the B2B collaboration, but also the B2B direct sort of scenario. And what it allows from, again, from my understanding, because I've never used it yet, is that you can now also, you know, directly collaborate in teams around those tens could be using, you know, in effect, share channels. And I think there might be some other functionality. But also when you're doing emails, things like that, I think you can search for users and you can collaborate a lot easier. And that's kind of what I'm seeing from, you know, from the documentation and that, that, you know, it's just a better experience for users when they're in that scenario, because that is, you know, it's the worst thing of, um, you know, you've done a, an acquisition or a merger, et cetera, or you, like you said, Sam, you've got an organization, a multinational organization that have got tenants in their regions, you know, to, due to sovereign, you know, sovereignty of data and things like that. Um, and you need to be able to you know collaborate easily you know that is one of the the trickiest parts and you know and there are there are solutions out there to sort of try and help with that um but microsoft now bringing that into you know this this ecosystem now so stephanie um feels like it's you know it's it's the next stage of that that merging of multi-tenants there it's such a common scenario as well right we we see yeah. it with larger organizations I'm going to say more often than not, really, to be totally honest with you, right? Um, so it's it, it's great that that is a thing, you know. I think that's gonna that's gonna really help and simplify things. And I I think generally that's going to help with that just shifting more and more into the cloud, right? And letting you know having that more joined up um, ecosystem. Yeah, definitely. And and to be fair, you know, I don't think thinking about it, you know, we talk about um, Microsoft Enter ID quite a lot, but I don't think we've actually done an episode on the, the concept of having a cloud identity and synchronization with Active Directory and everything. It's like something we've like completely missed out of everything. <laughs> it's like almost like, you know, the foundation, the building blocks, right? So um, are, you, are you signing yourself up for a Enter ID? It's, it's the right time to to do an episode on it alan because they have changed the name so you know I, i'm gonna call it that we were just waiting for the rebrand right and yeah. um, that, that's why <laughs> yeah I'll, uh, I'll, maybe i'll do that in a couple of weeks time okay cool um anything else um that you want to cover alan um i think you've given us a good um overview there no i think that's um i think i've done fairly good with it um sorry if i've butchered b to c i hope i haven't <laughs> um but um but yeah um the only other things is um some of our previous episodes uh and again we've we've talked about all some of the capability in microsoft enter id but never talked about enter id directly um so we've got some things like identity governance which is quite an old episode actually now which is season two episode 10 so we probably need to revisit that um Season three, episode one, Azure MFA, um, and season three, episode four, we did privilege identity management. Um, again, another one of the other capabilities. So, um, so yeah, um, if you want to continue sort of the journey of learning about Microsoft Enterprise ID, um, check those ones out, um, and we'll continue to sort of add some other ones in as we've forgotten the foundational side of things. <laughs> um, so yeah um so sam what's what's next week's episode 
Um, I'm going to cover Azure uh, DDoS protection. Uh, DDoS stands for Distributed Denial of Service. Um, it, it's a, essentially a sort of a attack, attack mechanism uh, where adversaries will attempt to overwhelm a system um, with um, a flood of data, effectively, um, to a target system. And and what what can happen is is it can choke up sort of multiple um, layers of your network stack um, to interface into your uh, your application, um, and with a lot of um, managed and hosted products, um, distributed denial of service protection is built in. Um, so it's something that you don't need to worry about. Um, but if you do have your own uh, a need for um, interfacing, let's say your web servers out to the internet, um, you you can layer on uh, DDoS protection on top um, to, to to give you that protection. So I'm going to do an episode on on covering that and and what what the benefits are and 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 how it works. Okay, great. Yeah, it'd be worth getting some of those. Um... If we can find some of those stats where Microsoft have um, stopped a, a huge DDoS attack against yeah, them. Exactly. Uh, yeah, exactly. Some, some crazy numbers there, if I remember. So, um, yeah, that'd be good. I think that'd be a good episode. Okay, so did you enjoy this episode? If so, please do consider leaving us a review on Apple or Spotify. This really helps uh, reach out to more people like you. Uh, if you have any specific feedback or suggestions, um, we have a link in our show notes to get in contact with us. And if you've made it this far, uh, thanks very much for listening and we'll catch you on the next one. Yep. Thanks all.